First Thessalonians 5.23 is what we're looking at as our main text. And we're dealing with the total man. Now, this teaching, I believe you will find very instructive and very helpful if you want to be a Christian for a long time. You want to walk with God. One of the things that you will discover that some of you probably already know is the constant conflict between your spirit man and your flesh. How that your spirit man wants to please God, wants to go after God, but this flesh keeps pulling you back. Sometimes it's like we take two steps forward and fall backwards. I'm sure you can relate. When a couple of times you've prayed to God, Lord, forgive me, I'm not going to do this thing anymore. I'm not going to do it again. I, would, I promise you. In fact, some have gone ahead to pray, God, the next time I do it, just kill me. And God will just smile. <laughs> Look, killing you is not the solution. I, I want you. I want you to rise. I want you to mature. I want you to grow. Because when you grow, you will outgrow certain things. When you grow spiritually, I mean, certain things will not appeal to you anymore. It won't even be a temptation anymore. As a sign that you are growing or that you have grown. In Luke 2.52, the Bible says, talking about Jesus, that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all men. So there is room for growth in the Bible. Increase in stature. That's talking about growth. And as he increased in wisdom, he increased in stature. And then he increased in favor with God and with all men. There is no way your life pleases God that you will not attract the favor of God. Those who have never met you will favor you. Those who don't know you will favor you. Those who know you will favor you. It all comes as part of the package of growth. No wonder Paul the Apostle prayed in Colossians 1.10 that our lives will be pleasing to the Lord and that we've been fruitful in every good work may increase in the knowledge of God. Increase. To know God more. Very important. So I'm bringing this teaching to the fore because we need to understand the three parts of the makeup of every man and every woman. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. You are supposed to be controlled from your spirit man. That's the core of my teaching. You are supposed to be controlled, your life is supposed to be controlled, your actions are supposed to be controlled from your spirit man, which is born again. I want to assume I'm talking to believers tonight. If you have given your life to Christ, your spirit man is saved, recreated after God. All right? Perfect, blameless. But then you have a soul, which is divided into three compartments, the will, the mind, the emotions. And that's where decisions are made. And decisions can be made in that place that would make it difficult for your spirit to please God. Even though your spirit wants to please God, but the decisions of your soul can make it difficult for you as a person to please God. If your spirit does not gain ascendancy over your soul, and if the body, which is the third part of it, which is the one we see and relate to, gains ascendancy over your soul or over your spirit, there's going to be chaos. Each of these compartments is powerful. Your spirit man, your soul, and your body. So there is a tussle almost every time, 24-7. There's a tussle. There's a power tussle going on. 
However, you can learn to train your spirit to be strong. When your spirit is well trained to be strong and to take charge of your life, I tell you, you will put your soul in check and your body in check. The body can be tamed. The body is very unruly. It's the most unruly of the three of them. The body is very idiotic. The body is animalistic in nature. It wants to do anything without being tamed. That's why you wonder the kind of posts that some people put online. People take their own nude pictures or videos and post online. Sometimes they leak it themselves. Why? Because they want to be popular. Now, does that make sense? This is your body. This is what we call private parts. Apparently, there is no privacy anymore. Or they don't understand that this is meant to be a, a private thing. Bathroom pictures, bedroom pictures, putting them online. That's how animalistic the body can be. And because these people are ruled by their bodies, they don't care. You care because there is still sanity in your soul. Or probably because you are born again and there is illumination in your spirit. So you say, ah, how can somebody do this? This doesn't make sense. Now. Even if you are not born again, you should not do this. I tell you, a lot of people are ruled by their bodies. In psychology, there's something called the id. Then there's the ego, then there's the super ego. That id, I think they got the word idiot from the word id. The id in man actually is also very unruly. It's the unruly part of man. The id can say, okay, now I feel like I want to defecate. All right? I want to use the toilet. And the id says, I want to do it now and here. Ah. Somebody said, look, this is a church. If you want to defecate, yeah, go out, go to the toilet. The id says, no, I want to do it here and now. And as you're all looking at me, I want to take off my clothes and start doing it now. That's the id. There is the ego, there's the super ego. There's one of them that is also to the extreme. I'm not teaching psychology, it's just by the way. That's to the extreme, you know, like the perfectionist. There's the one that is in between that balances the two of them so that human beings can be normal. People can just wake up and say, I feel like killing somebody today. I just feel like stabbing somebody. Like, I just want them to be in pain and I want to see blood all over the place. That's the id and that's the Nature, that's the, that's the body, that's the flesh talking. It is animalistic. It's so powerful that Paul the Apostle had to say in 1 Corinthians 9.27, it says, I, I beat my body, I buffet my body. I beat it and I keep it under. Why? It says so that having ministered to others, I myself will not be a castaway. It is one thing to tell others what to do. It's another for you to be doing what you are saying. There is no greater confusion in the Christendom today than people who are saying what is right but doing what is wrong. Can we look at that scripture? It said, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means, so that <coughs> by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Can you give that to me in the Amplified Classic, please? Amplified classic, very quickly, and then I go into tonight's lesson. I want to focus tonight on how to train the spirit. This, this, this is the most important part of us. All right. 
But like a boxer, 1 Corinthians 9.27, Amplified Classic, but like a boxer, I buffet my body. I, I discipline my body. I, I, I beat my body. I keep it under. It's more like I strangle my body. He said, I handle it roughly. The day you want to fast, your flesh wants to eat. The day you are not fasting, your flesh is not asking for food. And you could go sometimes till 2 p.m. before you eat breakfast. Am I right about that? On days that you are very busy. Sometimes, even if you're a foodie, sometimes your breakfast doesn't come at the normal time. It doesn't come until maybe 1 p.m. But the day you make up your mind you want to fast, this unruly body that is not born again. And listen, your body is not born again. We were saved, your spirit man. We are being saved, your soul. We shall be saved, your body. Because we will still drop this body to take up an immortal body. This body is not born again. And that's why you cannot afford to be ruled by the dictates and the appetites of this body. This body has its own appetite. It wants food. It wants pleasure. I can't stress myself. I don't want to stress myself. Who doesn't like to just sleep and wake up and alert is coming into your phone? Who likes to go to work? You think it's easy to go to work every morning? Some of you have to get up like 6 a.m. or 5.30 to do your devotion and then get to the bathroom and then, you know, hurry up and then rush down to the uh, car park or get into your car, drive to your work, and you must be at work at 8 o'clock and you are there till 5 and then you are rushing again to church and then at the end of the month they give you some token. Who doesn't like to just chill, just chillax on your bed and by 9 a.m., 1 million enters, boom, that's the alert for today, 1 m. every day 1 m. Even if it's 200K every day, it's still something. We can manage it, Sabi. Am I speaking your mind? <laughs> no. Who doesn't like that? I mean, and all you have to just say, all you have to do is just get up and the only work you do is brush your teeth and then manage to get into the bathroom so that your body's not smelling. Take a shower. Breakfast is ready. Hallelujah. I mean, there's somebody waiting on you already. It's your breakfast. And they would have taken your order from the previous night. They know what you're eating tomorrow morning. And then you get on the internet and just check pictures and videos. Ah, oh, idiots. <laughs> Look at this one. All right. And then at 12 noon, you know a lot is coming in. 200K. Pum, 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 pum. You check. All right. That's the one for today. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. So you chill again. You watch movies. And then if you have time, read your Bible. If you have time, you pray. If you have time. The body likes that. Even when you want to pray, self is a struggle. That's when the body says, I want to sleep. Oh. How many of you have ever struggled with sleep in the place of prayer? Let me see the honest people in this church. Okay? <laughs> because if you say you have never struggled sleeping while praying, then I don't know what kind of prayer. Maybe you are very, eh? well, I mean, it, 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 well, for me, it's no longer a struggle, but it used to be a struggle. It's no longer a struggle because I changed my, my strategy of praying. I don't do silent prayers anymore. Unless in a place where I'm not allowed to speak out. Like I'm on an aircraft or I'm in a public vehicle, which has not, well, happens time and again, and you don't want to cause a scene, so I can pray underneath my breath. But when I say I want to pray, I want to pray. Because when I want to eat, I don't engage in conversations. I don't talk while I'm eating. When I'm eating, I'm eating. You're talking to me, you're wasting your time. Even my wife knows that. So, I mean, you're talking to me, you want to get a response, is when I'm done eating this food. This food is very important right now. When I'm reading my Bible, and I'm studying. I'm not on the phone at the same time chatting. I'm feeding my spirit man. 
you cannot distract me at that time. When I'm praying, I'm praying. I'm not doing two things. I'm not multitasking with these things. That's the kind of seriousness it requires. You see, if you allow your body to rule you, you will not, one, it will be tough. To be, you won't be disciplined because the body naturally is not disciplined. It's unruly. Very unruly. As we're in this place now, and there's maybe some kind of uproar in your gastrointestinal cavity, in your, in your stomach, and you feel like farting, F-A-R-T-I-N-G, your body says, you can do it anywhere. It's an open space. Air will come and blow the thing away. But as a decent person, you feel, look, let me get up, go to the toilet. Am I right about that? But do you know that in public vehicles, there are people who do that? Somebody can even do that on the plane. On the plane. The plane is airtight. If you release gas, it will affect so many people. It will inconvenience them. You will enjoy it, oh. <laughs> no matter how bad it smells, you will enjoy it. It's, it's, you know it's from you. But every other person, they will, almost, <laughs> they will almost want to curse the person. You can almost make a Chinese man speak Yoruba because of that. I'm tired. Tired here. You know, because like, what is this? That's the body. I mean, that sounds funny, but the things we do sometimes, the sins we commit, a lot of times, they are, they are as a result of the promptings of the flesh. And if you don't master it, if it masters you, it's a terrible master. If you master it, it can be a good servant. Because we need this body, as unruly as it is. It is with this body you make contact with this material realm. If you don't have a body, you are not invited to this church. You are not invited spirits here except the Holy Spirit and then angels of God that are here. Can I have an amen? So we need the body. Somebody say, I need my body. That's why we feed the body. We take care of the body, make it smell nice, look good, all right? Train it, exercise. Some of us are going to the gym. We've been saying it for about five years, but this year it will happen in the name of Jesus. All right, so all of that, you're, you're, you're protecting the body, you're keeping the body, you're preserving the body, you're nourishing the body, but don't do all of that at the expense of your spirit man. Your body can be so strong. If it gains ascendancy over your soul, <laughs> that's trouble. That's why people do certain things and they say, ah, and he's a pastor. Oh my God, that's sad. And that will damage, you know, so many people because they probably look up to that person. You know, the world has expectations of us. Even God has expectations of us. Even the devil says, maybe you are a Christian. Have you ever done something before and the devil says, but you call yourself a Christian? In other words, the devil is saying, I expect that you will be different from me. So how come we are doing the same thing? Because that person has allowed their body to rule them. It's not that they don't want to please God, but they have allowed their body to rule. And when your body rules, is a terrible master. Imagine how much money people spend, millions and billions, on looking good. I mean, we all like designers' clothes. Nobody wants to wear rubbish. Women spend a whole lot of money. When a woman stands like this, a proper woman, she's expensive. That's why you don't make a woman cry. Because each tear that drops is expensive. The Mary Kay that it washes, the, 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 the concealer, the, the, the foundation, the facial scrub. So one tear like this of a woman can be worth 20K. A man, nothing, zero. But one tear, one tear drop, because everything it washes is expensive. 
Women spend a whole lot of money on looking good and time. The time it takes to go and braid their hair or to do makeup and all of that. We don't care. We just have our back. Powder care. As a man, if you put powder, are you, this, are you normal? Imagine the amount of time. It's okay, ladies, and it's good. I mean, we want you to look good because if you don't look good, we will also talk, all right? But can, can, don't, don't you ever allow that to rob you of quality time to take care of your spirit, man, because your spirit is the most important part of you. So Paul said, I, I buffet my body, I handle it roughly, I discipline it by hardships. One of the hardships of the flesh with which you can discipline the flesh is to fast. When you fast, your flesh is humble. Usually when you're hungry because you're fasting and somebody abuses you, somebody insults you, you don't have time to respond. Just say, God bless you, you walk away because you know you're fasting. But after you have broken the fast with six wraps of Akbu, you then come back and say, hey, come here. What were you saying the other time? Because now there's energy. But can you imagine when you live a fasted life or you engage in an extended fast? It's one of the hardships of the body. Your body will be crying, I want food, I want food, I want to be fed though, I will die oh. It's a lie. It's just the body screaming. Your body has a voice. The voice of the body is called feeling. Your spirit has a voice. The voice of your spirit man is called conscience. Your soul has a voice. The voice of your soul is called reason. You reason things out. But you see, the feeling of the body can be so intense. I will die. I will die if you don't give me food right now. And so many, many people voice the voice out or they echo the voice of their body. Ah, look, auntie, I will die if I don't eat now. You have just voiced or you have just echoed the voice of your body. The truth of the matter is that you won't die. You are giving it hardship to train the body. He said, I do that through hardships and then I subdue it. I take charge of it. I control it. I don't allow it to control me. Why? For fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel <laughs> and things pertaining to it, after ministering to others, I myself should become unfit, not stand the tests, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. You are fake. Who says that? God. That's why the concept once saved Forever saved is a scam. If you are saved, then bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. Even the society has expectations of people that are so-called Christians. In your office, they know you pray. They know you go to church. They know you read the Bible. So there are certain things they do. They don't expect you to join them. The day you join them, say, ah, now, wow. <laughs> Mother Jesus. So, so this thing, it doesn't affect her. Somebody's uh, salvation say, ah, what do you mean? Get out, y'all. Get out of here. Uh, they have expectations. You go back and say, now, wow. So, everything. To your music, to your dress, uh, dress sense, to the way you talk, to how you handle issues, to handling money, finances in the office, how some monies disappear. 
I was at the birthday of a particular man who clocked 50. Big man. He was then the attorney general of this state. I was the one anchoring that event. And one of the governors of the Southwest was there. I invited the governor to the microphone. I took a picture with my family, with him, and then handed him the microphone to speak. When he was giving a testimony about the celebrant, he said, those of us who are lawyers, when we go for uh, law conferences and all of that, he said there's something they call conference materials. Only lawyers understand that. It's really male lawyers. They understand conference materials. You think it's the papers and all the... No. Conference materials are babes. He said, but this man, more often than not, will attend the conference with his wife. He said, if he doesn't come with his wife, you can be sure that nobody's warming his bed after the conference in the night. He's alone in his room. You can be sure. He said, we are men of the world, but he is a man of God. And indeed, is a true man of God. What a testimony. In the open, this event was streamed live. People overseas were watching. The other people that were there, they were like, ah. <laughs> because they know themselves. You are going for a conference, three-day conference. Madam, we are going for a conference. Even sometimes when there's no conference, some people organize conference. Just because they want to go with girlfriend. And the truth is, Come to think of it, anatomically speaking, what is the difference between one woman and the other? But because the devil has sold the light to them, and they are ruled by their flesh, this is when men become unprincipled, they become unscrupulous. They can be nice people, they can be very wonderful and very generous, but their flesh rules them, their flesh controls them. As a child of God, it is expected that your spirit will dominate your soul and dominate your flesh. And that's our greatest challenge. Apostle Paul expressed that in Romans 7. The good I want to do, I'm not able to do. The evil I don't want to do is what I find myself doing. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me? So tonight, I want to help with how you can train your spirit man so that your spirit man can gain ascendancy over your soul and over your body. But let me take it from where I stopped the last time. I was making two points, my initial thoughts. Number one, I said, the things of God are spiritually discerned. I hope you remember that, and I give you scriptures for that. Number two, which I will say quickly, then I'll go to the training itself. Number two, the Holy Spirit teaches us God's ways. The Holy Spirit teaches us God's ways. You cannot afford to be a Christian whose spirit man is not sensitive to the things of God. There are times that there is danger ahead, and the Holy Ghost warns you ahead of that danger. If you don't heed the warning, it might be expensive. There are times there are good things coming. The Holy Spirit prepares you so that you can be in the position to receive the good that is coming. If you're not sensitive to his promptings, you miss out. Are you getting what I'm saying? The things of God are spiritually discerned. That's why you must be, you must be someone that is spiritual. 
Revelation 1 10 tells us, John the beloved said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard. If you're not in the spirit, you don't get to hear what the spirit is saying because God will not talk to your brain. God is the spirit. He will talk to your spirit, man. So, I said that already and I gave you scriptures. Number two, the Holy Spirit, I said, teaches us God's ways. In Psalm 103 verse 7, it says, He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Psalm 103 verse 7, and you have to be fast, please. 103 verse 7, He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. His ways, he made known his ways unto Moses. He made known. Moses didn't just know his way, he made it known to him. You don't just find the ways of God on the streets. If you want to know the ways of God, you have to invest yourself. You have to invest time. You have to sit down and say, God, teach me your ways. Show me your ways. He made them known to Moses because Moses made time for God. Moses was so hungry. He said, Lord, I want to see your face. He got that intimate with God. And God said, no man can see my face and leave. But hey, you go hide yourself in the cleft of the rock. All right, I'm going to cover you with my hand. And I'll make all my goodness to pass before you. So Moses saw the backside of God. And that was when he was writing. He started writing Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He saw where God was coming from. Moses wrote the book of Genesis. Because he developed intimacy so much with God. You can know God. God can be known. He wants us to know him. Daniel 11, 32 says, But the people that do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploit. So it, it's, it's, it depends on you. It's your choice. Do you want to know him? Or you don't care about knowing him? Don't blame anybody for knowing God more than you. Don't blame anybody for walking in the supernatural more than you do. It's about our choices. It's about our investment. It's about our priorities. It's about how much time you can invest. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus gave a parable. He said, to him that has, more will be given. To him that has not, even the little he has will be taken from him. What does that mean? The little revelation that you have will soon be taken from you. Because you don't have time. We must make quality time to spend with God, to know God. Lord, I want to know you. I'm not asking for bread and butter. I just want to know you. There are times you go on a fast, you say, Lord, I just want to know you. And I tell you, he will reveal himself. He likes it when you are hungry. Before you got born again, God was chasing after you. I tell you, the game changed the day you got born again. When you got born again, you, you, God said, hey, you got to start chasing after me now. So those of us that are born again, we have to chase after God now. When we're not born again, he was chasing after us. Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2. David said, uh, uh, my God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsted for thee, my flesh longed for thee. In a drown, thirsted land where no water is. To seek, to see thy power and thy glory as I've seen you in the sanctuary. I, I'm, I'm running after you now. In Psalm 42 and verse 1, it says that the heart panted after the water brooks. So panted my soul after the living God. When will I come and appear before you, O God? When will I come and appear we must seek him. When we seek him early, we will find him. He's not a God that hides himself from those who seek him. But he will not be known on the streets if you don't make time to know him. He won't throw himself on your laps. Just sleeping, waking up, watching African magic and Netflix and all of those things. You'll be full of garbage. Take you away from the knowledge of God. And it is the knowledge of God that will help you in the day of trouble. It is those who know their God that will be strong. And then do exploits. Those who don't, how about those who don't know their God? One, they will be weak. Two, they will be rubbish because there will be no exploit for you to do. And life is frustrating if there are no exploits in your life. Nothing exciting. There is no testimony. What a life. 
January to December, no testimony in your life. You are just hearing the testimonies of other people. Christianity will not be exciting. Are you with me, church? Let's move quickly. I said the Holy Spirit teaches us God's ways. Um, Isaiah, write down the scriptures. Isaiah 55, 6 to 9. Can we look at that very quickly? Isaiah 55, 6 to 9. Isaiah 55, 6 to 9. Please, media, don't make me read my Bible. Thank you. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Seek him. You are to seek him. You are to do the seeking while he may be found. You are born again. You are a child of God. Now seek him. Next verse. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Even if you think you have strayed away from church, away from God, when you return to God, he will take you up. That's the beautiful thing about our God. Next verse. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. So you need to come back and take up my thoughts. You need to drop your own earthly carnal thoughts and take up my own thoughts because my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. Yeah, next verse. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. But guess what? By the help of the Holy Spirit, you can begin to know the thoughts of God because now you have the mind of Christ. Can I have an amen to God? John 14, 26, Jesus made a very profound statement. John 14, 26, and then we go to John 16, 13 about the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, he said, but the comforter, the parakletos, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you. The Holy Ghost teaches us. He's a teacher. You sit down as a student, he will teach you. He shall teach you. He shall teach you. He shall teach you how many things? The Bible says all things. Not only spiritual things. The Holy Ghost can teach you law. He can teach you accounting. He can teach you medicine and surgery. He can teach you. I mean, you're a student or you're a professional in this field. He can teach you how to win a case. How to record a landslide victory that your enemies will open their mouth. Where did we miss it? He said, I will give you a mouth and a wisdom that your adversaries can neither resist nor gainsay. He can teach you how to win that debate competition. He can teach you how to write an essay that will win a scholarship worth some thousands of dollars. He can teach you. He can teach you how to do your job. He can teach you tailoring. He can teach you. He can teach you styles. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Let's look at John 16, 13. John 16, 13. Quickly. John 16, 13. I hope you are writing down these scriptures for you to look at them when you get home. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send, John 16, 13. I'll be, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, it will guide you into how much of truth? How much of truth? All. All. All is all. Every truth. Everything that is called truth, it will guide you into it. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. So the Holy Ghost speaks. Amen? Amen? And he will show you things to come. So, he doesn't just tell you things, he also shows you things. How then? Okay, First John 2.20. And then verse 27, quickly, then I'll go to the four steps to training your spirit man. 1 John 2, 20 and 27. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have, an, you have an unction from the Holy Ghost and you know how many things? Because you have the mind of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. He knows all things and he can teach you all things. So you have the potential to know all things. Lord, 
What's your wisdom for this situation? How do I get out of it? I don't know how to get out of it in myself, but you know how to get out of it. You know how to take me out of it. Spend time praying the Holy Ghost. But you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Verse 27. Verse 27. Verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him, which is the unction that you have received of the Holy Ghost, abides in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the, as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. You have an unction from the Holy One, and this unction you have is able to teach you all things. Amen? Now, how do I train my spirit man? When you hear training, you, hear, you, you think of, don't let me go ahead of you. Let's make this interactive. When you hear training, what comes to your mind? What's the first word that comes to your mind? Yes, anybody that want to speak? When you hear training, training, what easily, quickly pops up in your mind? Yes, speak, yeah? Process, okay, thank you. Process would mean that it doesn't happen overnight. And God bless you. That's a strong point tonight. So training your spirit man is not going to happen overnight. I want to give you four steps. I hope I'm able to, if I'm not able to uh, get through with the four steps, I'll continue next week. But even if I give you all the four steps tonight and you start practicing them tonight, it doesn't mean that by tomorrow morning your spirit man will be fully trained. Process. Process. God is a God of process. Thank you, Victor. Yes, when you hear training, what else, apart from process, comes to your mind? Yeah? Building up. Building up. Yeah, that's part of it. Building up. Training. Yeah. Yeah, especially as it comes to training your body. When you go to the gym and you train, you build up. You're building something. You're building muscles. Those muscles that are lying fallow. You wake them up and build them up. Good. Yeah? I want one more person to speak. When you hear training, yes. Training. Choosing to continue. Okay? Choosing to continue. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, because there has to be some element of continuity. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Any other person you want to talk about training? When you hear training, what comes to your mind? What comes easily? What pops up in your head? Yes? Thank you, Moni. Thank you, Kelvin Peter. Yeah? Jennifer. Teaching. Okay, teaching is part of training. Yeah. We hear training, okay, we are going for a training, they will teach us. Yes, that's part of it. And the Holy Ghost is our teacher. Yes. Okay, one more. Discipline. Okay, that aligns with what someone said earlier. Thank you, discipline. Yeah, training, discipline. Okay, so now, how to train your human spirit. Let me say this quickly. The Holy Ghost inhabits your human spirit. It lives there. The day you got born again, it came into your spirit. Into your spirit. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching through all the inward part of the belly. When God wants to illuminate you, his candle that he will light up is your spirit. It won't light up your brain. It won't light up your mind. It will light up your spirit that is on the inside of you. Okay? So now, what are the four steps? Number one, meditation. Meditation is key if you want to train your born-again human spirit. The Holy Ghost is in your spirit, but that spirit needs to be trained. And this will happen from you, not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will not do your meditation for you. Even though he's in you, 
This is why there is a vast, you see, a, a, a world of difference between two Christians. One is enjoying divine health. The other is dealing with sickness and disease almost every month. Almost every time in and out of hospital, spending a whole lot of money. Is that the will of God? Why are some Christians prospering in what they're doing and others are living below the barrel? Now, you might start from below the barrel. That might be your starting point. It's not a crime, but you should not remain there for long. After you have surrendered your life to Christ, you know the difference? One is spending time meditating God's word, listening to what God is singing, chewing it, musing over it, muttering it, thinking through it, spending quality time in it. The other is too busy, doesn't have time. So everything is doing, the way he's running his business, is getting information from the outside world. What his friends tell him to do. How the internet is telling him to run his business. Word on the street, what is popular. So he tries all of that and he fails in his business. But this other person is spending time with the Holy Ghost, spending time in the Word and allowing himself to listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying and is running his business that way and is flourishing because he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. The process of meditation takes you through that. The Lord is my shepherd. The reason why I shall not want is because the Lord is the one leading me. How does he lead me? From his word. I spend time in his word. I discover his promises. I believe them. I sit down with them. I internalize them. I think through them. One of the words for meditation in Hebrew is Hagar. H-A-G-A-H. In the Greek is Meletau. But they mean almost the same thing. Now for Hagar, it's like when a lion catches a prey and tears that prey and couches upon the, tray, the prey such that nobody can take that prey, that animal, from the lion. And then he begins to now dip his teeth and everything into the bones, into the marrow, into the flesh of that animal and is enjoying the fruit of his labor. It's like when you go to UI, there's a place opposite UI, well, maybe adjacent, they call it Preboy's World. There's a guy there by the main gate of Preboy's that sells suya in the night, Alibaba. I think some people have patronized him here. That guy's suya is like maybe number one or number two in a badon. I've been able to sample some suyas. That guy's suya is, my children like it. I like it. I mean, just mere thinking about it sometimes, I drive all the way from my house to that place. Ah, okay, some, some, some people can, they can bear me witness. You see, when I take that suya home, we hagar that suya. We bite into it. We, we really, sometimes I overbuy. Because, you know, when your appetite says, man, I want this thing, and then you, you buy like 5K, well, not now. Because 5K won't even make, make much sense now. 
I mean, in the days when three kids you should do for a family, and then you now buy five kids, that's excess. We don't waste it. We put the, re- the remaining in the freezer for the day of reckoning. Are you getting what I'm saying? But at the moment that we're enjoying that thing, we are really enjoying it. My, my, you know, my son, my son, my son and myself, we like what they call, um, there's this part of the chicken called um, gizzard. So I buy gizzard, then I buy chicken. So there's plenty of chicken, there's plenty of gizzard, there's tomato, there's um, um, lettuce, cabbage, onions, you know. Are, are you feeling me tonight? <laughs> you see, when we sit down and eat that thing, my, I don't take phone calls at that moment. I don't. Because if I get up from that soya, apart from the fact that my son may choose to outsmart me and he can be very fast, and the other people can also be very fast, apart from that, if I walk away to receive a phone call, by the time I'm coming back, something has happened to my appetite. I don't know if you're like me. That's me. That's the way I enjoy food. So when I'm eating, please don't take me away from my meal. Because the truth is, no matter how delicious it is, by the time I walk around the house or go somewhere to attend something and then come back, my appetite would have gone down. So now that I have the appetite, let me finish this thing, this business. That is how to meditate on God's word. Don't let anything take you away from it. Because your life depends on it. In the place of meditation. Now, what does it mean to meditate? It means to muse. It means to mutter. It doesn't just mean to form mental pictures. The, what we can easily easily identify with in terms of the definition of meditation is the fact that we we stay somewhere we stay in the word and we're looking at it and we fix our gaze on it we're not reading maybe a particular verse speaks to you and then you're not reading any other verse you stay there you're just looking at it looking at it and then forming mental pictures that is part of meditation but it's not all that there is to meditation having stayed there let's say for example you just read psalm 23 verse 1 the lord is my shepherd i shall not want this is a very dark moment in our nation and all over the world. Many people want, many people lack. I mean, people that work hard and they can't feed their families. But here is the word of God. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Am I not a child of God? So what am I wanting? If there's anything like that in English. So you stay there. Someone says, stay there. You look. The Lord is my shepherd. Lord, Yad Hevave is, not was. So even right now, ah, and I'm broke. My shepherd. What's the job of the shepherd? He leads the sheep to where the pasture is green. He ensures that they are well fed, they're taken care of, they're protected. He has a rod and staff. When animals are coming, wild animals want to come against the animals, it is not the sheep that protect themselves. In fact, the sheep don't bite. They just eat grass. They don't tear skin. So they can't fight. But the shepherd is there. And Jesus said in, in John 10, 10, he said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In verse 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. Uh-uh. As the good shepherd, you will rise up for my protection. As the good shepherd, you will lead me to where the grass is green. You know where it is. I don't know. The cow in Sabo cannot tell the man leading him. No, I'm not going towards Oketunu. I'm going towards Elele. That's where the grass is green. No. The cow doesn't know Elele. But the leader, the cat pad, or cattle pad, or cow pad, 
or shepherd. Those where the grass is green. Are you leading the Lord or the Lord is leading you? But one thing that I know for sure is that the Lord will not allow himself to be led by you. Lord, uh, these two brothers are really disturbing me. They want to marry me. They're saying they want to marry. They want to marry me. They love me. The two of them are members of our church. They are both spiritual. But Lord, you know, I really like Jason. I wish that could be your will. But if it's not your will, I'm open. You have already answered your prayer. Will God tell you to go and marry the one you don't like? So that something happens in the future. You say, God, you say, I didn't like him before. I didn't, I didn't like him. Oh, it was you that forced him on me. God said to Adam, Adam, what have you done? The woman you gave me. The woman. Man pushes the blame to God every time. Why are you not in church? Yeah, it's the job. Three months down the line, three months ago, we were praying, God, give our sister a job. Give our si- give this brother. This brother doesn't have a job. Give me a job. Bro, we have not seen you in three months. Ah, the, my, I'm very busy, Pastor. But I joined online. And I'm sending my tithe. We push it back to God. Madam, we've not been seeing you in Bible study. Ah, Omoyini is your child. As I'm getting ready to come to Bible study like this, she will just start crying. Wah, wah, wah. And I will sit down to breastfeed her. By the time I'm done breastfeeding, the whole service is over. Shall we tell God to take back the child? Meditation. Mortar. Part of what meditation involves is to mutter. That's American pronunciation. M-U-T-T-E-R. Maybe mutter, British. Mutter. Nigeria, mota. We like to open our mouth when we have pronounced mota. It's a gluten. The man is a gluten. He eats any, he's a gluten. No, it's glutton. Glutton. It's not a gluten. So, take that word, the Lord is my shepherd, that phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. Now you are beginning to understand it. You are beginning to see the picture of a shepherd. Holding a rod, taking care of the sheep, leading them. Psst, come here. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Stay here. You stay. They need water. The, 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 the shepherd leads them to where they are going to go for watering. So if the Lord is my shepherd, I'm not supposed to be in want. He says, he didn't say I might not want. He said, I shall. Like somebody say, I shall. That's a strong word. I shall not want. Uh-uh. The day it dawns on you that you are a child of the king, your mentality will change. I'm royalty. You are royalty. You are a chosen generation. Royal priesthood. First Peter 2 tells you that. In Revelation 5.10, Revelation um, 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 5.10 and I love that scripture. I shouldn't forget it. There are two of them. I think it's 5, 9, and 9, 10. Let me, I'll get them out. 5, Revelation 5. I want to show you that you're reality. And if this dawns on you, it will change your life. 5, 10. And has made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. Then, Revelation 1, 5. 1, 5 also. 
before 510, 1 5. He says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Verse 6, and has made us slaves and, and house helps unto God. What has he made us unto God? Kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The children of the world will say, Omo banimi. Eh? Omo banimi. People in the world. People in the church. Eru alone, wow. We are slaves of God. Who are we to see anything before God? And the children of the world are doing exploits because they go with that mentality. I mean, I don't listen to secular music, but I give that one to that girl. I don't know any other thing, that's all. But that one catches my attention every time. That means I go anywhere. I speak in the name of my father. If the prince of this town or this city comes here, you will see evidence that this guy is from the palace. They will follow him with the staff of office. Angels are following you everywhere. Yet, we are living in intimidation. Some of us will enter an office. Good, 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 good morning. So, yes. Is your mate on the counter? Yes. What do you want? Um, I don't know if I can make some inquiries. I don't know either. If you can, go to the embassy. Ah, they say American embassy, they don't give visa to people. Hmm. Uh, um, good, good, good morning. What country are you going to? Of course, I'm going to the United States of America. That's why I'm here at the U.S. Embassy. They can ask you that question. They've asked people, what country are you going to? At the U.S. Embassy. If you're a bold person, won't you tell them, ah, I'm sorry, the last time I checked, this was supposed to be the United States Embassy. I'm going to America, of course. If I'm going to Britain, I won't be here. Let them know that you know what you're saying. But uh, I'm going to Chicago. Is Chicago a country? They asked the woman, and I'm telling you, I prepared this woman for an interview. Her daughter gradu- was graduating then in a, in a uni in um, Virginia. They said, what country are you going to? She said, I'm, I'm going to Virginia. Is Virginia a country? But they can say, you're not bold. One of my friend's elder sisters, when she was doing biometrics, her fingers, her, her, her thumb was shaking on the biometric machine, shaking like this. Before interview, and they were looking at her. So by the time she showed up for the interview, she was all sweaty. Can be sweating inside the AC. And then they start asking you questions. And those people are psychologists. Sometimes what they're even asking you, they don't know. So you, you, you said you gained admission to the University of uh, maybe Connecticut, for example. Um, you want to study medicine and surgery. So why, why, why do you want to study medicine and surgery in America when it's readily available in Nigeria? Uh, I want to, I want to, 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 to go there because uh, 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 and me. I don't even like the people that say, uh, 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 uh. it means that you are not coherent. And then you cannot engage. In our culture, we are not trained to engage eyeball to eyeball. But the white people like you to engage them. When they ask you questions and they are looking sideways, they say you want to lie. When you are looking up, they say, mm-mm, you are not sure of what you're saying. 
So you ask me, why am I going to America? I give it to you straight. I'm going on vacation. And I'm going with my family this time. Right? So have you made any reservation? Oh, yes, I have. What hotel? John Hopkins or whatever. I mean, maybe Howard Johnson Motel. Um, and we're there for five nights. And it's $50 per night. And we paid for five nights already. Okay, can I, can I get... Uh, okay, so um, do you have any family in the U.S.? I don't have any family in the U.S. I'm going to... We all have family there. But we don't talk. <laughs> so <laughs> everybody's on their own. I, I, this is my family. So I'm going with my family. I mean, you need to be bold. If you go there with the mentality that you're a king, that I'm a king, and my father is the king of kings. and the lord of lords. If my father were the president of Nigeria... You will enter American embassy with your full chest. Because you can't deny the son of the president. You cannot. If he ever appears. And listen to me. My father is greater than the president of Nigeria. The maximum that man will stay there is eight years. Don't beat me. I know some of you are a pastor. No, never. <laughs> but I'm saying that's the maximum. But your father is on the throne where he cannot be dethroned. He cannot be impeached. His tenure will never expire. He was before the beginning began. He was the one that instructed the beginning to begin at the time that the beginning began. When there is no more beginning, he continues to reign. And that's your dad. This kind of boldness will not come if you don't sit down to meditate. You take your meditation from forming mental pictures into now speaking those words. You are not muttering it. You are muttering it to yourself. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Or more. I shouldn't want like this now. I shall not want. You go to wash your, your hands. You are speaking the scripture to yourself. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You are washing your clothes. You are thinking. The Lord is my shepherd. And you are saying it. The Lord is my shepherd. It's called confession also. It's part of meditation. You go to bed in the night. Having prayed and thank God for the day. The last scripture on your mind is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see, that process is helping to train your spirit. Your spirit is going to gym. When last did you show up at the gym? When last did you meditate? And let me tell you, meditation will take time. If you only dedicate 10 minutes to meditation, that's the, you'll be at, you will be entitled to 10 minutes revelation. And if that can carry you for the rest of your life, so be it. You need to make time. Meditation, I don't want to say was being hijacked or it's been hijacked by people in the Eastern world, you know, people that do yoga and all this. They got it from God. It's from God. God said to Joshua, let me give you that scripture as we close tonight. Let's read that scripture as we close. Joshua 1.8. Joshua was taken over from Moses. What do you think will... <laughs> Such a man. What do you think his, his CV would be? Moses, the man that went to the Mount of God. And when he returned like this, nobody could look him in the eye. In fact, he had to wear what they call powder now, that some people wear in the hot sun. Moses had to wear something to cover his face because even the color of his hair changed. Turned to gold. His face was shining. They couldn't look at Moses, Baba, because he was radiating the glory of God. Moses performed miracles. God told him, speak to the rock. 
But out of anger, out of frustration, because the people frustrated him, he hit the rock, water, but water still came out. Wrong method, but he still got the right result. No other person did. He led them through the wilderness. I mean, manna came. When they complained, chicken came. How do you take over from such a leader? It's easy for you to take over from a leader who has failed. A failure. You just study what made him fail. In Nigeria, we hardly study. Failure has been repeated. That's the problem. Yeah, because we don't study. We never study. We talk. We talk too much. We make empty promises. We talk. We are good at talking. When you study a failure, you don't repeat the failure. You become successful. But how do you take over from someone who is a success? Because people will measure you by that yardstick. That person becomes your yardstick. It's like when your dad is a professor. You now have a first degree in the family. They say, what's, what's wrong with you? You can't come and say, no, dad, you know, I'm, I'm just, my life is just busy. Meleo, your life is busy with first degree. What should the professor say? But if your daddy didn't go to school, you can come back home and say, ah, dad, man, I want lecturers here. Say, I've never seen a lecturer in my life before. I only know teachers. Ah, no, daddy, we don't deal with teachers in the university. We deal with lecturers. How do you take over from Moses? Have you seen God face to face? God, God testified concerning Moses. When he was chastising Aaron and Miriam, if I want to talk to you, if you say, if I want to deal with any prophet among you, I relate to them in dreams and visions. But not so. Moses, my friend, I turned to him face to face, man to man, as a man talks to his friend. God was so upset with them. Miriam became leprous for some couple of days. So how do you take over from such a man? His shoes are too big for anybody to fit in. That's why when some leaders die in the church, the church just goes down. Because... Nobody fits into their shoes. Just give it some time. The son of the leader may do shakara initial gragra. Let me introduce some things that my daddy did not introduce. Unless you have the heart, same heart that your father had for the Lord. And in contemporary times, I can give you examples of ministries upon ministries. Those generals died and the mantle just left with them. In some cases, other people took over the ministry, not their own biological children. And they did a better job. So it really is not a family thing sometimes. You know, but that's not why we're here tonight. Who is going to take over from Moses? God found himself, the young man called Joshua, the son of Nun. God then gave him one secret. Want to take over? God told him, I think in verse 2, God made an, a private announcement to him. Because they just saw that Moses went to the Mount Nebo, Mount Nebo, and he didn't return. Until today, nobody knows where Moses was buried. Such an honor. God himself carried out the funeral of Moses. God himself. Nobody can tell that this is the sepulcher of Moses. So, they didn't see him. They didn't know what's up. They said, ah, maybe he has gone again to, to stay with God for some time. When he comes back now, maybe the, his old body will be shining. But God called Joshua and said, Joshua, come home. Moses, my servant, is dead. <laughs> Come on, brace up. Who will lead us? Four million people. Then God began to give him instructions. Then gave him one major secret. Verse 8. Verse 8. God said, this book of the law. Now, they didn't have the complete Bible at the time. They didn't have the complete Bible. 
But they had the book of the law in scrolls. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Why didn't God say shall not depart out of your eyes? Because he knows that through your eyes you will read. But I want you to read out loud. It must not depart out of your mouth. I want you to mutter it. I want you to say it out loud. I want you to say it quietly. I want you to speak it. I want you to eat it. I want you to feed on it. It will not, it must not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt hagar. Thou shalt meletau. Thou shalt mutter it. Thou shalt muse on it. You shall meditate on it day and night. It doesn't mean you don't have a job. You go to work, you go to school, but day and night, ponder on it. Think through it. Think on it. Speak it. Don't let go of it. Wake up early in the morning. You don't have to read 10 chapters. Maybe two chapters, but a verse strikes at you. Mm, latch onto it. Day and night. Day to guide your day, night to take care of your night when you're sleeping. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. It's not the hearer that is blessed, it's the doer. It's not the quota of scriptures that is blessed, it's the doer. That's why motivational speakers are different from preachers. And that's why today there are motivational speakers in the pulpit confusing people. If you're a motivational speaker, don't start a church, please. Start a motivational house. A motivational center where bank executives and their people can come and get motivation so that they know how to raise the next 10.5 billion that they need for their target. The pulpit is not to be used for that. That's why there are scammers in the pulpit because they will not give themselves to meditation on the word of God. You can't meditate on the word of God and go and scam someone else. You won't do that. Because he won't tell you to scam. Amen. You are not thinking of sleeping with church girls. Coming from the place of meditation. You won't think of stealing church money. They put you in charge of the account. Some money enters your account. Some money enters your account. No. Coming from the place of meditation. But then... Thou, God puts a lot of power in you there. Thou shall make thy way prosperous. He didn't say, I shall make your way prosperous. He said, you will make your way prosperous. And you shall have good success. So there's a lot that depends on you. If your life turns out successful, you are to blame. If your life turns out the other way, you are still to blame. Put your name there. We read this together. We share the grace tonight. Stand up, everybody, and you put your name there. This book of the law, one, two, let us go. This book of the law shall not depart out of Fred's mouth, but Fred shall meditate therein day and night, that Fred mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then Fred shall make Fred's way prosperous, and then Fred shall have good success. So if Fred doesn't have good success, who is to blame?